0: and finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, what's good, church fam? How we doing? Good to see you guys. It has been a while, like Sarah said. It has been a while. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 26. Matthew 26 will be actually in verse 31 here shortly. If I have not met you yet, my name is Marcus Williamson. I am one of the pastors here at City Church. And I don't know about y'all, uh, but for me and my family, 2024 has already been a year and we've only finished one month, right? <laughs> January has for sure felt like this. Very much a giant Monday. Can I get an amen? So, my wife shared this with me after we had somewhat of a rocky start to the new year. I had COVID. Our littlest uh, Isaiah had, at least for me, what I would say is a record eight ear infections. He's only 10 months, you guys. And I say at the time because at the start of February, he got a double ear infection, which was so great, but not. Um, we also got the stomach bug, I'm sure. Some of y'all have gotten that too, um, and my wife, on top of that, got a sinus infection. Again, needless to say, January, at least for us, has been a huge Monday, and we couldn't seem to break out of that cycle. Now, all of this may seem, you know, normal uh, with two kids under three, right? They're just always sick, and you know, getting everyone else sick—that's just how that works when you are a parent. Well, sometimes, sometimes that's how that, that works. Let me tell you a little bit more of our story. I'm not gonna go into too many details, but just to kind of catch you up uh, over the past few years for us. We've had infertility. Uh, we've had several deaths in our church family, in our family that have happened to us. An ectopic pregnancy, uh, my car, was stolen right before my very eyes, uh, which led to crippling anxiety as you can imagine. Um, Even to the point of me actually going to the hospital wondering if I was gonna die or not. So needless to say, it has been quite a few years, uh, been quite a few years for us. Um, It's been very tough. We've had physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, you name it, and we've probably had a version of it. And I bring that up because the sermon for us today, I think it's gonna be one for many of us who have been going through something in our life. Who have been through it, right? Who have been through it. And honestly, if, if this isn't your story now, chances are it will be someday, Fair minimum, You're probably gonna know someone who has gone through pain and suffering. And what I want you to hear me say today is that Jesus knows exactly, exactly what that feels like. We're gonna be walking through how Jesus deals with some significant emotional pain and anxiety. And honestly, that might be putting it lightly. I think among among other things, this passage gives us some absolute gold, as Kent would say, on how to handle the most trying, the most difficult, the most heartbreaking moments in our life. It will give us tools in our tool belt for when life goes wrong. So, if you will, let's pray that the Lord will work through this sermon, that he will take me out of this so that you can hear the Spirit speak to you directly. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we ask just that, Lord. Um, We ask right now that you would treat this moment, that your spirit would be here speaking to whoever you need to speak to, just like Sarah said. Lord, come and speak through me. Remove me. Remove uh, 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 Marcus from the stage. Help them to see you. Help our people to see you right now. Yeah. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, let's kick it off. Verse 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee, Peter replied. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. And per usual, he was the ever confident one, right, of the bunch. Always first to speak, even if his foot was in his mouth. He wants everyone to know, if everyone falls, including these jokers behind me, including these disciples, I will never betray you, Jesus. That is what he wants them to know. Verse 34, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So Jesus doesn't thank Peter for having his back like Peter maybe thought he would. Instead, Jesus checks Peter. No, Peter, not only will you disown me, you're gonna disown me three times, I promise you. This is not a prediction, this is a spoiler. And Peter, you know, doubling down, we got to love people who double down, says, I would die first before anything like this ever happened. He also inadvertently leads the charge of a, we won't disown you. We won't. Di-. He leads a chant with the other disciples. Got to love Peter and his confidence. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So Jesus and his disciples go to a garden and once they arrive, he asked his disciples to pray. Now, we'll return to this here shortly, but this is what I think will be one of two key moments in our passage for us today. But again, let's put a pin in that and then we'll return back here shortly verse 37 he took Peter and his two sons of Zebedee James and John along with him and began and he began to be sorrowful and troubled then he said to them my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and keep watch with me So he asks his disciples to to pray in one area while he takes Peter, James, and John to a different area. And it's at this point, the passage says that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He even tells Peter, James, and John as much. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, those words sorrowful and troubled in English don't fully capture what Jesus is feeling in the moment. Rather, they don't, they don't uh, 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 convey the level of sorrow he is actually feeling. The words in the Greek uh, are more akin to the greatest sorrow imaginable. So it's the, it's the type of sorrow when, when you lose someone close to you or when you hear about a friend or a family member getting a bad diagnosis from a doctor. It's when you feel a deep distress or a deep sadness or when your body feels Um, like it is physiologically reacting to your emotions. And we know this, we know all of this based on the last phrase that Jesus says, right? That he is so overcome with sorrow that that he feels like his soul is dying. I don't want us to bypass this moment because we are getting a window into how Jesus is feeling mentally and emotionally here. He is about to be betrayed. He is about to have all of his closest friends leave him and outright deny him. Not to mention he is about to be both beaten, mocked, spit on, laughed at, and ridiculed. So when Jesus says that that he is overwhelmed or that his soul feels like it is dying, then what he means is that he is not doing well in this moment. Jesus is not doing okay. Many commentators agree that Jesus has likely experienced what you and I would call a panic attack. He is uh, uh, breathing, his breathing is most likely labored. His heart is most likely beating so intensely that he can hear it. When we read a little bit further, it says that he falls with his face to the ground. Luke in his account says that when he prays, his sweat will be like drops of blood. We think what Luke, who was a physician, is describing is what doctors now call hematohydrosis. Hopefully I said that right. Which is an actual medical condition when you sweat blood because of an intense trauma and anxiety. So Jesus is feeling some kind of way and rightfully so. The anticipation of the future is weighing on him. If you've ever waited on a diagnosis from a doctor, you know exactly what I'm saying. News about a recent scan, maybe you get a call from a friend who has cancer and you are waiting for updates, you're waiting for that text message. Waiting and anticipation can carry so much weight and Jesus is definitely feeling that right now physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. Jesus is not doing well. Again, he's about to be betrayed and left for dead by his closest people. He's about to be beaten and then killed in one of the most horrifying ways imaginable. He knows all of this is coming. Some of us might not be doing well this morning. We might not have been doing well for a while, to be honest. Yeah, some of us may be in wait mode. Some of us may be in anticipation mode. And I want you to hear right now that Jesus knows exactly what it's like to wait. He knows exactly what it's like to anticipate things. He knows what it's like to not be doing well. When you feel like no one else can relate, church fam, Jesus can relate on a deep, personal level. Verse 39, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Jesus is so overwhelmed that he falls with his face to the ground. Notice, it, it doesn't say that he elegantly bowed with his face <laughs> to the ground, right? From the way it reads, it feels more like a collapse, a face plant, if you will, to the ground. And in this moment when everything, when everything seems off, what does he do, church fam? What does it say? He does what? Pray. He prays, exactly. Sorry, I often like to talk <laughs> to you guys. Just It's been a while, it's been a while, but I, I really do love talking to you guys and y'all talking back. He prays, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus asked the Father, can he take this cup from him? Can he take this cup from him? Now this, this cup that Jesus references is based on Old Testament language from God's, uh, for God's wrath and judgment. Jesus asked the Father to, to take his wrath and judgment away from him. Which might sound a little weird, especially if you're newer to church, right? Why is God giving Jesus his wrath? and his judgment, that's, that's very odd. It feels like that would be like reserved for someone who is maybe an enemy of God, right? Someone who's against God, not Jesus himself. You don't just give out cups of wrath to your closest people, right? We don't just <laughs> hand those out. See, the scriptures actually would insist, the reason Jesus is actually taking on this cup of wrath and judgment is because he's actually taking it on for us instead. He's taking it in our place. We were the ones who sinned. We were the ones who failed. We were the ones who fell short. We were the ones deserving of this wrath, of this judgment. But Jesus chose to take on the consequences of all of that, of all of your sins, onto himself. So if you can imagine, just for a brief moment, the anticipation of what Jesus is feeling right now, one could argue, might be. Just a tad intense. (laughs) Jesus, wholly committed to the mission the Father gave him, wants to take on the sins of the whole world. But in this moment, in this moment, he is emotionally overwhelmed and is asking the Father whether there is another way. He both wants to do this and, and still, and still he asks, if there is another way to achieve the same outcome because of how emotionally heavy this is. But but even after asking the Father all of that, Jesus says, yet, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked, Peter, verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's an interesting statement from Jesus, right? Because on the surface, it sounds like Jesus just told them that falling asleep is giving into temptation. I don't know if you saw that or if you caught that. But, But last time I checked, I could be wrong, someone smarter than me can tell me. Last time I checked, I don't think falling asleep was a sin. I don't think. And if it is, um, let me go ahead and pre confess <laughs> that I might be sinning later this afternoon. Just letting you know that might be happening. It just takes a lot out of me, you know, doing this. Um, what does Jesus mean here? Well, this is most likely a callback to when Jesus tells his disciples that they will all fall away. So Jesus is saying, hey, hey! I know it's late, but do you remember what we just talked about not too long ago? Do you, even, do you remember how you said you would never betray me? How you would never disown me? Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, that could be a thing to, I don't know, pray for? You know, so you don't fall into temptation, right? Maybe, who knows? Who knows? See, their spirit, their their vigor to which they spoke about not being disloyal was willing. It was strong, but when push comes to shove, their flesh will be weak and they will fall away just as Jesus said they would. And it would seem Jesus is linking them, not watching and praying as evidence of their future falling. Verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible, uh, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. So Jesus prays again, the exact same prayer, right? Please take this cup away from me. Take this cup away from me. Have you ever asked the Lord for something and eventually got to the point where you were uh, able to say, But ultimately, Lord, I put this into your hands. If I'm not supposed to be in this relationship, I put this in your hands. If I'm not supposed to have this job, I put this in your hands. If it is not your will for me to do this or to do that, let it be so. If you ever been there and then immediately also pray, but Lord, can you help me? (laughs) Can Can you please let this work out? Will you heal me? Will you heal my friend, my family member? Will you give me this job? Will you give me this relationship? Then to only say again, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Apparently, Jesus knows exactly how this feels. He knows the scenario all too well. Lord, will you take this cup away from me? Not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I ask again, will you take this cup from me? Not my will, but your will. We can often get caught up get so caught up in God's, uh, in Jesus' godness that we lose sight of his humanness. Let me say that one more time. Jesus was, ever, was every bit as human as he was God. Every bit as human as he was God. So don't, don't let that throw you, right? Enjoy those moments when you see his humanity. Because it, it brings him down, ah, uh, what's the way to say this? It brings him down to a level to where we can be able to relate to him. That's why he's the perfect model. I didn't have a great transition there, so that's our passage for today. As I was reading, I felt like there were a few sermons in this passage, and yeah, after talking to Kent, after talking to our teaching team, we really felt like the Lord was speaking, the Spirit was speaking on how we can deal with our emotions. how how Jesus is able to navigate through his emotional pain. And then being able to ask the question for us, what can we learn from Jesus on how to navigate through our own emotional pain? How do we navigate our life when our kids are actively walking away from God? How do we navigate being fired from our job when bills still have to be paid? How do we pick up the pieces when a relationship doesn't actually pan out? How do we navigate through the emotional pain of someone in our life who has an incurable illness? How do we go on when someone has died? How do we deal with all of these emotions when everything is going on? Yeah, when everything is going on and when everything is going wrong. First, I think we look to Jesus, right? We look to Jesus when, when all of the emotions hit, we look to what he did and we follow suit. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, that is what we do. And luckily, because this is a sermon, there are a couple points that I would love to give you uh, that I feel like Jesus does give us. Uh, so how does Jesus deal with his emotions? Well, first, I think he turns to community. I think he turns to a community. I said we would come back to it, but I'm finding this in verses 36 to 38. And Jesus asks his disciples to be with him and to pray alongside him. In one of his most vulnerable moments, he wants the people that the Father has placed around him to be with him. Uh, To put another way, he doesn't isolate. He doesn't check out from community. He doesn't run away from the people that actually care about him and want to help him. In fact, he wants them to pray, even going so far as to check in on them to see how their prayer is going. Uh, Let me say it this way. He's not doing the thing where he goes, hey, no one can understand what I'm going through right now. If anyone, if anyone could have said that, it would have been Jesus, right? (laughs) Right. Because truly no one before or since can fully understand the pain and the suffering that he is about to go through, yet he still leans into, he presses into, he asks for help from his community. Many of us might feel the temptation to isolate when we are going through pain and suffering in our lives. We might feel like we need to work through our emotions uh, on our own and then report our success or, or confess our failure to our community rather than actually inviting them in to where we are at. You may say things like, hey, I'm an introvert. I just need time. I just want to think, I need, I need one-on-one time with Jesus. And while I would agree, in part, because Jesus also went away to pray on his own on a few different occasions throughout the scriptures, what I want you to see is that in his most dire moment, right now, he desires community to be there with him. So to me, at the very least, you shouldn't have a pattern of, uh, of, a pattern of isolation while going through pain and suffering. Let me say that one more time. You shouldn't have a pattern of isolation while going through pain and suffering. When you pull away from others to be alone in your thoughts for extended periods of time, you assume no one can share in your pain or know your pain, or that nobody wants to share in your pain, that people maybe have too much going on in their life. Maybe you feel like you've gone to your community one too many times and you're feeling shame or guilt because of it, so therefore you isolate. So you don't ask for help. I'm I'm good, you'll say. Things are good. I'm good. I'm fine, I promise. It's just a bump in the road. You know, we'll get back to it. You know, they have a lot going on. I don't want to bother them. They have two kids. You know, kids. What I want you to see is that if Jesus, who was God in the flesh, if he can turn to community. Hmm? (laughs) y'all know what I'm about to say (laughs) if he can turn to the community around him and ask for prayer maybe just maybe there's some wisdom to it but pastor what, what if the people around me don't get it what if the people around me only nod their head but actually don't write down my prayer requests they don't check in on me yeah, yeah, that's the thing. To that, I would say a couple things. First, I'm sorry, gosh, that sucks. I'm sorry that you are in that situation, that you feel like your community is not praying for you or checking in on you. But I would also say this, how you respond can be very powerful. Jesus, as we read, was in a similar situation, as we mentioned. So he can relate. I don't know if you saw, but there were a few people that slept. (laughs) Literally, slept on them. Um, So how do we respond, right? Or how did he respond, sorry? Does he disown them? Does he write them off? No. He stays in community with them, right? He stays in relationship with them, right? He asks them to pray for him time after time. One more thing about community uh, before we move on to our second point. Take a look with me at verse 38. It actually will be on the screen. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. When we turn to our community, let me suggest we get as close as we can to being open and honest like Jesus was with his disciples. I get it that it can be overwhelming to kinda pour everything out. Uh, especially if it is your first time doing so. I remember my first time in, life, in a life group setting. Uh, I can see it as clear as day. I was sitting around the room with about 12 other guys and our life group leader uh, asked whether there were things we needed to confess or talk through. And to be honest, I don't fully remember my train of thought at the time, but I don't think I was expecting what would come next. One after one. Each guy was confessing and talking about everything, to the point where I felt uncomfortable. I was just like, whoa, okay, we doing that now? Oh, man. But in that moment and time after time, do you know what that did for me? The more I saw others confess, the more the Holy Spirit actually nudged me toward confessing and being more open myself. So I believe being open and honest not only helps you by allowing others to pray for you, but it also models for them what Jesus did in the garden. Thus having the potential to actually soften their hearts to also be open and honest with where they are at whether that is talking through pain and suffering, confession, or even praise. So as Jesus turned to community during his suffering, let us too turn to community. Simultaneously though, we also see Jesus turn to God. We see Jesus turn to God. He asks his community to pray for him and his his closest and dearest friends to, to pray alongside him and also in the midst of it all, he also prays to the Father. He doesn't forget to commune with the Lord. He both turns to community and he turns to God. And I think that is a very profound uh, uh, thing for our community here. Something our church does very well is the community portion of what I just talked about. If I'm honest, if I'm honest, we might do it too well. I think all things being equal, we are open and honest for the most part. We, we text our life group when things pop up in our lives. We, we ask for prayer probably eight out of ten times, right? And I'm very thankful for the community that the Lord has built here. A community that looks like what Jesus did in the garden with his disciples. It's very beautiful. And hear me say, we're not perfect at it. We are not perfect at it, but I do believe we do it in such a way that it has to be beautiful for outsiders to see and to behold. But, and this is why I said we do this too well a moment ago, I think if we are not careful, something that we might miss is this aspect of turning to God himself. If we constantly outsource our prayers to our community and never go to God himself, we will inadvertently make our community into an idol. An idol that was never meant to carry all of our burdens. Community is an incredible, necessary, beautiful gift that God has placed around you. By all means, go to them, always. You'll never hear us at City Church say otherwise. And also hear me say your community, our community was never meant to replace God. So let us turn to the Lord just like Jesus modeled for us. And as we go before the Lord, let us do so from a place of honesty and rawness. When Jesus asked for the cup to be taken away from him three times, it was one of those, oh, Jesus is human moments. He's really feeling this, right? But by the end, he is able to humble himself to trust that God knows best. And I think this dichotomy, how Jesus navigates through this hurt, can be very pivotal for us. For some of us in the room, We don't feel like we can be honest like Jesus was in the garden. Our prayers are a little more buttoned up, shall we say, a little more matter of fact. Uh, It's more self-aware or detached maybe from our feelings. We only pray, God, your will be done and hardly ever pray things like, Father, take this cup away from me. We move past our feelings to get uh, to what we think will help us. Lord, you know my situation. Please help me to be inside your will and to submit to your will, to whatever it is that you want in your will, from me in this season in your will. (laughs) Amen in your will. Hopefully I drove home the point. For whatever reason, we don't want to navigate through our emotions with God. And there I say, perhaps even ourselves. But that is exactly what God is inviting us to do as evidence from the scriptures. All throughout the scriptures, there are endless counts of people pouring their hearts out to the Lord. They they quite literally cast their burdens, as Sarah said, unto the Lord, looking to be comforted and sustained through their pain and their suffering. Uh, After a couple of chapters in Psalms, you'll see David or the psalmist laying every emotion down before the Lord. Here's my point. Some of us can stand, or could stand to supplement some of our your will be done prayers with, God this sucks prayers. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever prayed, God, this sucks? Hmm. They're they're a version that Jesus prayed, right? In the garden. God, I don't want to do this. (laughs) This is difficult. This is miserable, this is painful. Do you have room in your prayer life for those kinds of prayers? See, some of us in the room, we might feel uh, we might have handcuffed ourselves to only pray your will be done prayers. But I want you to know right now that if Jesus can pray, take this cup from me. You can too. There is freedom in being honest with God and your circumstances. There is freedom in laying down everything before him. There is freedom to cry out. There is freedom to yell. I need you to know this deep down in your soul. He needs to get here. You can and you should pray like Jesus did in the garden. I've been learning this one uh, myself recently uh, with everything that has happened to our family again, just all the things I said at the top. Do you know one of the best things I've done uh, over the years? It's something our uh, life group, uh, one of our life group leaders, Emily, told me a while back. She said that it might be wise to journal your prayers and be honest with the Lord when everything feels overwhelming you remember that, Emily? <laughs> it was one of the best advice I've gotten. And while I don't do it perfectly, do you know how much freedom and lightness, I'm about to cry. Um, how much freedom and lightness comes from journaling to the Lord? to just be honest. I need you to feel that. God is just asking you to be honest with where you're at. Gosh, man. God will be strong where you're weak. God wants to be your father. He wants to comfort you. He wants to be your shield. He wants to be your refuge, just like the scriptures say. Family, there should be room in your prayer life to sit down with the Lord and say, this sucks. I don't want to be in this situation. Lord, I don't want it. I don't want it. I do not want it, the biblical term for these types of prayers, lamentations. Prayers of lament, there's an entire book of the Bible that's centered on it. There should be room in your prayer life for God. This sucks prayers. Hear me say, that's not all you should say in your prayers. That would be pretty self-consuming, right? And self-important. If you're not careful, let me put that disclaimer in there. Um, But there should be room for those prayers and how we interact with God. It shouldn't be that our prayers are so cold and so detached from our honest thoughts, our honest feelings, our honest emotions that we prevent ourselves from ever praying like Jesus did in the garden. Amen? Amen. Let's land here. This passage gives us a model of how to take our grief, how to take our hurt, emotional pain to God when those moments hit. But I do wanna make sure you see that, that this passage isn't only that, right? It's not just a template to follow, it's also a passage about the links Jesus went to make that relationship possible. It's a passage about what Jesus did to, to ensure that we could take all of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our anxieties to the Father in those moments. Jesus suffered in our place so that we have access to the Father. He suffered well so we could have access to God in our own suffering. Uh, to say it a different way, if Jesus didn't suffer we wouldn't have access to the Father. Jesus knows what it's like to ask God a question and not get an answer. He knows what it's like to ask why and just hear silence. But we need to realize that, that He was forsaken so we don't have to be. So that we can realize that we will never be. Not if we're in Jesus. That thing that you are going through right now. Uh, The pain, the suffering, the heartache, the tears at night when no one else is up. The weight you feel because of, of work and you just want relief, the desire to date or to be in a relationship, to be married, to have kids, but nothing. Attempt after attempt after attempt, but nothing. All of these emotions If you haven't taken them to the Father, it may be time. It may be time today to get on your knees, to pour out your heart to Him, to... to, uh. Mm. It may feel silly, it may feel silly, but in this moment, maybe, just maybe, you should get on the ground and pray. Maybe don't fall (laughs) on the ground like Jesus did. Maybe elegantly bow. (laughs) But some of us in this room right now, right now, when I say right now, I really do mean right now. Some of us are feeling so much weight in this room and we do not know who else to turn to I'm hearing sniffling I know you're feeling it (laughs) some of us need to be face down cupped hands in prayer right now For some of us, maybe, we need to scream. We need to scream out to the Lord, where are you, Lord? Where are you? Hebrews 5-7 literally says that Jesus offered up loud cries and tears when he prayed. I know sometimes we all like to be a little sanctified and dignified up in here, but name a better place to offer up loud cries and tears than with your community, man. What better place? Some of us may not even have word. We only have tears and that's okay too because Romans eight twenty-six says essentially that the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. Some of us might need our life groups to rally around us right now. Some of us need to text them right now to ask them, hey, I don't know where you're at right now, but I need you to come right here. I hope you're in church. If you're not, You need to get over here. (laughs) Some of us need healing hands. Some of us need prophecy spoken over us. Maybe, 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 just maybe, you will hear from him today. Maybe this is your first time. Welcome. (laughs) And you're like, I don't currently have community here. I am from Cleveland, Ohio. For you and for others here, we actually have a newly installed prayer team that would love would just love to be your brother and sister in this moment to pray over you, to go on behalf of you to the Father. If you're feeling any of this, If you're feeling any, any of this nudging from the Holy Spirit, take that nudge. Gosh, man, don't let this moment pass by. Gosh, I don't know where you're at. And I wish I knew all of your stories. But I'm only human. (laughs) I couldn't handle that weight. But you know who can yeah, you know the answer. As we transition, the, the community tables will be open. Uh, this is a tangible reminder of exactly what we just talked about how the Lord took our sins, right? He took all of these failures that that we had, all the future failures that we're going to have, all the future sins, all of that onto himself so that we could have right relationship with the Father. He did that on our behalf so that we may have access to the Father in our own suffering. I love you guys so much, and I'm so thankful that the Lord has brought you here in this moment. Make no mistake, you were supposed to be here. You were supposed to hear this message from the Lord. So wherever you are, wherever you are, know that the Lord knows. and He's just waiting for you. He is waiting for you to run to him to run to him like a little kid and say, Lord, I need you, I need you. Let's pray.